Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us. As we explore the mysteries of Scripture. The realm of God. And freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to a brand new episode of The Cast. In today's profile episode, we're focusing in on a character that had a unique opportunity to experience something first that forever changed Christianity and the outstanding power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right, guys. Our profile today is going to be a man by the name of Cornelius. And it's really a cool story because it plays out like some movies you might have seen where it starts off setting the scene for one character and then it kind of shifts over to another character and then, you know, it merges them together in like mid-movie where it plays out this yeah. awesome turn of events. <laughs> yeah. You so, catch up with this guy and then all of a sudden you're like swing over and yeah. find out what this dude's doing. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to get into it because there's a lot of um, milestones for the early church that this story has. Extremely, yeah. I mean, if we didn't have this guy's story, I know God would have done something through another person, but mm -hmm. here all of a sudden we have this unique cornerstone moment almost Yeah, because it's, it's an unprecedented event. Yeah, it really is. It's never happened before. And yeah. And once God, it happens, it's God like, makes a turn in his plan yeah. with, with this character, this profile we're doing here. And it just, it takes the direction that we're now at now, 2000 years later. Groundbreaking. Yeah, exactly. Really cool. Yeah. All right, so I've got just a few fun facts about old Cornelius here. All right. Um, he was a centurion in the Italian regiment of the Roman army, and he lived in Caesarea Maritima. Oh. Yeah, and this is not the same place as Caesarea Philippi. He lived in um, an ancient city that was in the Sharon Plain on the coast of the Mediterranean. That sounds like where we get our word maritime. It, yes, it sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> in this area now, it's kind of cool, is, is an Israeli national park, this oh, area that he lived. Okay. So I'll have to visit that sometime. Yeah. It's interesting because both the Italian regiment and the Imperial regiment were mentioned in the Book of Acts. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And he was the first Gentile convert, as we will see. This conversion paved the way, breaking down the barriers between the Jews and the Gentiles, mm -hmm. the whole grafting in. Yeah. We're going to see it all in the story, but it's a it's a really big turning point. Yeah, he's a he's a devout man. He's got a great family life. He's mm -hmm. He's got faith in God, but we're going to find out that it hasn't gone the full way yet because he, while he feared God and he loved God, he hadn't gone through the conversion process. So he hadn't said, hey, I'm going to be a proselyte or I'm going to convert to Judaism as a whole and just yeah. like, I'm not going to go full circumcision and full kosher. He, yeah. he didn't do that, but yet you still find that he's a just man. He has a good reputation. He fasts. Mm -hmm. He has a very good prayer life. And uh, he's even super generous. Yeah, he is. He's a philanthropist for yeah. sure. And that is something I touch on later because he really is, he seems to me to be someone who is really seeking mm -hmm. um, the righteousness in these acts that he's doing. Yeah. Um, not just someone that, because the Pharisees, they, a lot of times, I know not all of them, but the Pharisees as a majority, they would do these acts as just muscle memory and mm -hmm. stuff. It seemed like Cornelius really had a heart of seeking while he was doing this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned Centurion because it's the highest ranking non-commissioned officer in the Roman army. And another person that I read uh, said that this was almost likened to like a master sergeant. Oh, wow. And they said that every time a centurion is mentioned in the Bible, it's mentioned almost in a favorable light. 
Like oh, okay. a guy was a centurion. He's like, listen, I ha- I know that you're a leader of men and I'm a leader of men. And, and oh, yeah. uh, remember that. Yes. And then even the centurion that was responsible for the death of Jesus, he was like, truly, this man was the son of God. Yes. Yeah. You know, so. So you're saying non-commissioned as in they, it was almost like a uh, voluntary type of position? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, I don't know what non-commissioned meant. <laughs> he doesn't get commission. Yeah, maybe, maybe is what I thought. Maybe he was instituted and then rose in ranks to a centurion. Yeah. Sounds like a, a noble um, thing to choose. Yeah. Is what it sounds like. Yeah, but I mean, also, at that point, he's leading a hundred guys. Yeah, he was and given some power with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, a cohort. He was part of a cohort, whatever that you means. You know, I had that in parentheses in my notes and okay. I, just, I was like I don't know what that means I'm just not going to say it <laughs> it was like it was all the divisions it was like they had this regiment and then they had like different cohorts and okay. it's like I, the infantry the cavalry type of stuff I, I think so I, I read some of it but it was like maybe they had six different cohorts around and gotcha it, it, yeah all right. It, it didn't seem like that relevant, so yeah. I just I was like, oh, cool, okay. My thoughts exactly. That's why I skipped my own notes. <laughs> but anyway, um, leading up to this, uh, I thought I'd just give a real quick um, look back where we are in the timeline of Acts. Um, Acts 7 is where Stephen was the first Christian martyr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Acts 8, the church starts to get persecuted, which results in that uh, immediate scattering mm-hmm. of the church. Yeah. And Acts 9, Paul goes on his ruthless mission to stop the gospel. He gets turned around dead in his tracks. And then here we, uh, and in that chapter, Peter's traveling across the country. And we're sitting now at Acts 10. So in the timeline, that's where we're sitting. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Paul has had his conversion on the road yes. to Damascus. Yeah, and I was going to look that up. How far back that happened? The time span between Paul and Cornelius here, but I I didn't dive that far back. I was curious about yeah. it though. I I didn't look at the timeline. I know that uh, somebody alluded to the fact that maybe Philip at this point is now possibly teaming up. Uh, with Peter to help school um, Cornelius and his family as the story progresses. So there is some overlay. Yeah. Um, And one thing I didn't get to mention, I just forgot, is that as an officer in the Roman army, this dude would have probably not been liked very much by patriotic Jews. Mm-hmm. They would have either really disliked him or even hated him. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy that he's come to faith in a monotheistic God because yeah. uh, a lot of times the Romans were presented, um, they had a proclivity to follow pagan gods like Juniper or Venus or Augustus or Mars. And for him to land on Jehovah was pretty remarkable. It is. Yeah, I wonder if he didn't have some some um, some hard nights of thinking where it led him to that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, neat. and I I think he's also the perfect person for this specific encounter because again he loved Jehovah, he just hadn't crossed that hump where yeah. it's like all of a sudden he has faith, but it's neat because there's still that barrier between him and full faith of converting to Judaism. And he hadn't done that. And I don't know if maybe he would have had some fallout from maybe the Roman army if he had gone full, uh, full conversion. Yeah. And I also wondered on that note, if maybe this is a perfect example of where we talk about the Holy Spirit coming alongside somebody, Mm -hmm. but not being indwelt in them yet. Yeah. So this, it almost, and that could have been what was happening, Mm -hmm. but it seemed like a true seeking. Yes. Yeah. And we'll see that as we get into it. Right. Yeah. 
Um, right off the bat, I've just got uh, verse one. I was going to start and read a few a few verses, Josh, to get into the story. Yes, rather please, than yeah. Do any more setup? Okay, so verse one, Acts ten. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, gave generously to those in need, and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And that that struck me. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple things there that, that mm-hmm. struck me. Um, yeah. One of the first things uh, is that it, it looks familiar to me to kind of what happened with Paul. He's in the middle of the day. He gets this vision. Mm-hmm. The angel speaks to him. And um, that, that just struck me as almost like a deja vu moment looking right there at Cornelius. Um, it seemed to be something God was doing around yeah. that time. Yeah. A little boost for the church to steer them as all this chaos of the persecution, the scattering. But, um, yeah, he gets he gets a vision in the middle of the day there. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like with Paul, Paul had more of a Christophany. Well, yes. Yeah, they're not the same. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was uh, what we believe was, I mean, it was Jesus, the yeah. Bible says. why are you persecuting me? And we believe this was an angel, not Jesus. Yeah, he, so. he, he didn't send the, the <laughs> uh, yeah. he sent a lower angel. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, that's a good thing to point out. Yeah. But um, the real thing that struck my interest with uh, those first verses is, uh, in verse 4, it says, The angel said to Cornelius, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And um, this idea where we see humans can do something that catches God's attention, mm-hmm. um, that really stands out to me. Your, your, um, your good and your bad can stand out to God. It can mm-hmm. reach His ear. Um, I think of like Sodom and Gomorrah, that that um, wickedness, that outcry came up to God, or when Cain killed Abel, his blood cried up to God, yeah. and it, and it just really fascinates me that there's things that we can do, whether we're believers or not, that catch God's attention. Yeah, well, I've heard people ask, um, does God hear prayers of non-believers? Mm-hmm. And I mean, unfortunately, as good of a man as Cornelius appears to be. He still hasn't entered full faith yet, so we would have to classify him as an unbeliever. Yeah, you know, even though he's on the road to receiving, and like you said, maybe the Holy Spirit's come alongside him and is mm-hmm. guiding him towards that eventual process. Yeah, there is that point where um, it's you, you kind of have to ask, you know, does God just save good people? And and the truth is no. No. He needs that conversion experience. But he does hear them. Yes. And that's that's the thing that struck me, because yeah. we, we saw that even with Balaam. Balaam had a connection with God, you know, and he wasn't mm-hmm. a real believer. No. And, yeah. that's, and I guess my point would be that um, what we do with what we know matters. Yeah. And another version of this says that your prayers and gifts for the poor have been received by God as an offering. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's really interesting, too, is that God, even in um, people that aren't necessarily his sons or daughters, is still paying attention to what you're doing, like you said, good or bad. Yeah. And just to take it slightly further, and I've I've mentioned this scripture before, but this one really connects with me on this scene. Uh, Romans 2, 12 through 16 says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law unto themselves, 
in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness in their thoughts, alternately accusing or else defending them. And I, I really thought that if there was a listener out there who's in that moment of seeking or maybe just even afraid they still don't quite know God, mm-hmm. I would say to that person to keep seeking with a sincere heart, act out what um, what's being put on your heart. That might be the Holy Spirit coming alongside you. Because God does see you. He can hear you as you try to find the truth. Um, those things really do reach his ear. And I thought that was some gold there for for some people who might be seeking, who might be in that place of uncertainty. Yeah. Because, um, no, he might not be saved yet, but that doesn't mean just because you don't have salvation, God's not sitting there with you mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit alongside and yes. all that. That's a, that's a deep thing that I think some people might not think, well, if you're not a Christian, then you're you're not getting heard. You're not getting anything. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily true. Yeah, there's so much hope in that mm-hmm. of that. Um, like God is always reaching out. You know, yeah. He's always trying to to catch people and to garner their attention or to let them know that He's there. And and I think this is an awesome way that He was like Cornelius. I see you, mm-hmm. and I want a relationship with you. Yeah, so true. It was really cool. Um, all right, so this vision to Cornelius, he's told um, to send men to Joppa, isn't he, Josh, to get yes. in touch with a couple of Simons, so I read by the sea, <laughs> yeah. uh, the house belonging to Simon the Tanner, and the, the man he's to meet is Simon, who we know as Peter. Yes, yeah, and uh, Peter is over there now uh, at the house of Simon the Tanner, and oh, this is where you said the the TV switches scenes, yeah, because you see Peter just chilling there, and he he starts to get a hankering, he's a yeah. little hungry, and he decides that he's going to go up on the rooftop to pray while he's waiting for the food to get prepared. Yeah, and in the meantime, um, Cornelius. He, I thought it was cool that he called two of his servants, mm-hmm. and um, the, the thing that I, I don't know if I, I saw into this, what I'm going to say, but I, I thought I saw a lot of transparency with his guys here. Yeah. Because like a lot of times, bosses will tell a worker, hey, come over here, go do that. But he like he tells them exactly what happened. He's oh, like, I, yes. I saw a vision. I need you guys to go do this. And it's almost, he's almost becoming vulnerable to his guys, but he's like, I need y'all to go do this. This is important. This yeah. is something that happened very personal to me. Well, this might sound really 2021, but he's kind of empowering them with the information of saying, this is why it's so important to me. Can you go run this errand? Mm -hmm. I always get an idea of like a Roman general or whatever being very (laughs) disconnected, which maybe or maybe not that's true, but that's what I get in my head. Limited information, like go do this. Exactly. Versus like, let me tell you why I'm doing this. And Mm -hmm. there's usually a lot better results when you give people the why versus just the go. Yeah, exactly. And he sends these guys to to Joppa, which we know is famous from another profile that we did, a little one called Jonah, (laughs) where uh, Jonah was like, I'm going to leave from this place and not do what God called me to do. But now we get some redemption because all of a sudden we find Simon Peter there and uh, he is going to go. But before that, he's got a really neat thing that has to happen because like we said that he was he was getting hungry and I'll just read it from chapter 10. It's in verse nine. It says the next day as they went on their journey, which means that now uh, they've taken that 30 mile hike to go from where Cornelius is to where Peter is. Um, They drew near the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. 
But while they made lunch ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, like he always did, no. (laughs) He said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him the second time, what God has declared clean or cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven again. Yeah. (laughs) If you've ever studied the scripture and you've come across this, you likely already know this is a, this is a big verse or or idea of what happened here in this vision. Yeah. Um, In hindsight, we understand the significance that it's, that it's saying, but Peter, he didn't get it at first, No, which we can't really blame him because he was a Jew and the Jews took God's law very seriously. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was the only thing to date at that time that kept them tied to God. Mm-hmm. And here Peter has this vision where God's making a huge change in the law that had been followed for over 1,500 years, and it threw him for a loop. Yeah, I mean, he's like, you don't understand. I am kosher. Yeah. None of these things have ever passed my lips. Yeah, and God not only gives him permission to eat them, but he tells him not to, you know, like, you know, you read it, don't even call it unclean. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see shortly, but this vision, it's talking about two different things. Um, It it is indeed speaking of eating unclean animals, but it's also talking here about everything that God has made clean. Yes. Including Gentiles. Yes. Uh, Opening that door. Yeah. Which it it clicks in his head later. He was like, (laughs) oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can just see the light bulb go off. Well, and I thought it was really cool because Cornelius has a vision and now Peter has a vision. Mm -hmm. And in neither instance does the angel just lay out necessarily like what uh is supposed to happen Mm -hmm. but like it's connecting the two yeah and and somebody pointed out that like the angel wasn't preaching what he was doing was he was supplying a preacher for cornelius and and that's the that's the joy that we have as humans is we get to handle the word of god yeah the angel just made the connection yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I thought that was neat. Yeah, so the next scene is where Peter, he's just, he's sitting up there on the roof in complete puzzlement, trying to figure out this vision that he just had. Mm-hmm. And as it goes, God has something in the works that's going to help Peter understand. And that is these messengers sent by Cornelius who discovered where Peter is staying. And they're now at the gate calling out, asking if if this is Peter's house, yeah. if, if this is where he's staying. Yeah, They're shouting out. And uh, at this very moment, uh, verse 19 through 23 tells us, While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate, but go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So, like you said, now these two stories, they've connected. Mm -hmm. Um, They they know something's going on here now. Yeah. Both parties. Yeah. Which, uh, this was a little bit crazy for me because I never put this together, even though I've read this passage several times. According to Jewish law... A Jew could not receive a Gentile into their home for any reason. Oh, well. And so, 
like you said, it's starting to click with him on what God was trying to tell him Mm -hmm. because you see that he received them in and said, Hey, come in and stay for the night. And it just shows that he's had this immediate heart change. Yeah. And he entertained them as guests, which uh, is crazy because we know later on uh, from the book of Galatians that he still succumbed to some peer pressure of like segregation from the Gentiles mm-hmm. when he was like, I'm just going to eat with the Jewish folks. So, yeah. I mean, it was it was a culture shock. Yeah, it definitely was. It was something that it was probably something he was always leaning towards mm-hmm. uh, just because that's how he was wired from yeah. childhood. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he he had to have thought after the vision, and then you know right after that, these guys come knocking, and he's like, okay, obviously God wants mm-hmm. this to happen. Yeah. Or if it was Satan, he would have found out pretty quick too, I <laughs> <Yeah>. guess. But <laughs> that's that's not how the story goes. Yeah. Um, all right. So now after Peter uh, and the men have been acquainted, they obviously they recognize the legitimacy of this divine appointment, and they start to head back to Caesarea to meet Cornelius. And the cool thing is we also see that some believers there at Joppa have decided to follow Peter and the messengers mm-hmm. on their journey back. Yeah. So obviously there's some other ears and eyes that are like, hey, something is going on yeah. here. Which I think there's some wisdom in that because he's like, I'm taking my entourage to witness this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they all head together to Caesarea, don't they, Josh? Yes. Yeah. And Cornelius is waiting for them. And uh, not only is he waiting for them, but uh, by faith, he's like, I'm going to call in some relatives and some close friends. I, yeah. I've got this gathering now uh, ready to receive Peter and uh, his entourage. And one thing I will mention, and I'll touch on this again in a minute, but the people that are following Peter back to, the, to Caesarea are Jews, mm-hmm. we're going to see later. And the people that Cornelius has are all Gentiles. Yes. So not only do you got a, a Jew coming to meet a Gentile, you have a group of Jews coming to meet a group of Gentiles. Yeah. And so the, I'm just a little little precursor here because that, that's that's kind of a big deal in a minute. The, something that I saw that was pretty cool. Well, pre-Acts chapter 10, that's oil and water right there. It is, for yeah, sure. These don't mix. Yeah. And then, you know, they get there and Cornelius is ecstatic, you mm-hmm. know. And Peter gets uh, in, through the door, and Cornelius falls face down in front of him, just falls prostrate, and he's um, almost in a worshiping manner yeah. because he's so excited. He knows this is a divine appointment. And Peter, he rightly so says, "No, get up." Corrects him right away. Yeah, we're yeah. both we're both just men here. Stand up. I myself am also a man. Yeah, this is, you don't need to worship me. I'm going to tell you who you need to worship. Let's not get emotional here. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, quite a few commentaries I read actually point pointed out that in St. Peter's Basilica, um, where Michelangelo made a statue of of Peter, Mm -hmm. people have kissed the toes off of the statue of Peter. You're kidding. No. Wow. They've worn the nubs off. My goodness. Because they've... I feel his pain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Our nine and a half toe amputee. Yeah. 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 And uh, I mean, can you imagine Peter coming to that church and just going, guys, please... Mm-hmm. Stop. I'm just a man. You don't need to kiss my feet. Yeah. Kiss the feet of Jesus. You know, and you can get uh you can get an idea of why the early church there might have been certain sects that um that 
started thinking of Peter as almost this godly figure that led to what we mm-hmm. now know as, as, you know, certain things. Yeah, you know? gravitated towards the yeah. worship of a of an individual. Of, yeah, exactly. So yeah. Because, you know, Peter, he was healing people. He was doing miracles and all this. And so he was well known. Mm-hmm. And Cornelius recognized that. But, yeah. but the main point here is that they meet. And that happens. And yes. after Peter gets him up and says, don't worship me, they, they get acquainted and... Peter, I think at this moment, he realizes, okay, I need to address the situation mm-hmm. because there's people standing around. Yeah. You've got this group of Jews. You've got this group of Gentiles. They're watching the two men, you know. Uh-huh. And and so Peter says this starting in uh, verse 28. You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Man, that's so powerful. That whole, that just those five words, but God has shown me. Yeah. And him not only hearing from the Lord, but being obedient in this Mm -hmm. and going that no man is common or unclean, that I'm not supposed to refer to them as that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like, Mr. President, tear down that wall. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's how it feels. Is like this separation that's been in place for umpteen, you know, mm-hmm. years, t- tens of hundreds of years, or, you know, a couple thousand years now is being torn down. Yeah. And you have basically people that would never stand in a room together just there yeah and peter gets to deliver these wonderful words and he's like cornelius why am i here why did an angel come and say i need to come see you and i love how direct he was like you said it was such a powerful statement because he was he he looked at the situation he's like all right we all know yeah this isn't something that's supposed to happen yeah so it's happening. God's doing it. Why did you call for me? And they're all operating on faith at this point. All of them. Yeah, no doubt. And I like the, even just when the angel said to go with, you know, the messengers, he said, doubting nothing. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's so neat to see faith in action here. Yeah. And if you understand, if you looked into the Jewish culture and Gentiles and the feud and kind of that they, they had together, you understand this is a heated scene. Uh-huh. Uh, not, you know, just in, in wonderment and what's what's fixing to happen yeah here? very dynamic very pins and needles probably just yeah. going okay what are you gonna say you yeah. know what yeah. are we gonna say next exactly and so peter asks why why did you send for me and cornelius answers in verse 30 do you want to read that josh oh sure yeah i'll read uh 30 through 33 so cornelius said four days ago i was fasting until this hour and at 3 p.m i prayed in my house and behold a man stood before me in bright clothing and said cornelius your prayer have been heard and your alms or charitable gifts i like alms because it reminds me of uh the kevin costner robin uh, hood yeah yeah yeah. okay uh (laughs) i'm reading i'm reading bible here Uh, your charitable gifts have been remembered in the sight of god and uh, therefore send to joppa and call simon here whose surname is peter he is lodging at the house of simon a tanner by the sea not a guy that lays out, a guy that works with animal Not hides. very nice. <laughs> <laughs> when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear the things commanded you by God. So he's just saying, like, we're all ears. What do you have to tell me? Yeah. 
Peter Peter does his his speech to him, and he's like, "Why'd you call me?" Yeah. And he does his speech, and he's like, "What do you got to say?" Yeah, <laughs> what do you have to tell me now that you're here? <laughs> yeah, and then and keep in mind, we got these two groups of people that have all just heard both sides of the story of this divine appointment. Um, Cornelius got a vision. Peter got a vision. They're to meet each other, and everyone is just sitting there wanting to know, "All right, what does this conclude? Yeah, what what does all this mean? Yeah." And, and and I will say Peter's come a long way in how well um, he catches a hint since the Transfiguration, the mm-hmm. whole you know let's build three tabernacles thing. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's come a long way since then. Yeah, and he's learning how to spot God's heart in a plan much better now. I think. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I found a quote that said the principal subject of this chapter is not so much the conversion of Cornelius as the conversion of Peter. Oh yeah, oh, that's so true. Where it's saying yeah. like him recognizing in the moment what God is doing through him. Yeah, it and really is. I wanted to point out one other thing, and this is just purely applicational, purely uh, off to the side. But it's really neat that Cornelius, in bringing his relatives and his extended family, they are all ears. They are totally a willing crowd. And someone said, when you go to church, do you want to receive a good message? If so, the best way is to come with a prepared heart. I know that the preacher must be prepared too, but when God prepares the messenger as well as those who are to hear him, then tremendous things happen. And I think Spurgeon said, do you want a good preacher? Then get a good crowd. Oh, yeah. And I, I as someone who's given messages, yeah. I could say that actually True. very is applicable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If I Just for the few times that I did, I agree with you. It's hard, if it, the tough crowd is hard. It is convicting because sometimes on Sunday mornings, I don't go going like, what am I going to learn today? What, what am I going to put into this in terms of my listening? And that's a really good point because um, to, to lay out what, what it's the, the, you know, what, what's in the air here in this scene, because a lot of scenes that we see where there's Jews and Gentiles and Pharisees and Jesus followers, there's a very heated, there's mm-hmm. a lot of tension between both Skeptic. parties. Yeah, but like you just said, um, they're all ears, both parties. They're mm-hmm. all here. They're all willing. So, that yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good point. Yeah, there's no walls. Everything's torn down, and it's just really just ready to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and all right, this next part's really cool. I figured rather than just trying to break it down with my own words, it's just better to read it. it We're is. doing a lot of that this, yeah, this episode, it but it, it really is. It says it better than we yeah, could. Yeah, this message is amazing. It really is. So um, I'm just going to read what Peter says, uh, verses 34 through 43. It's a little chunk. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one of whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. 
So this is just a really mic drop moment. Yeah. It's you're here. I'm here. Yeah. This is what Jesus did. And it was huge because um, we're going to see how huge this is because uh, how big of a truth bomb it really was because of the next scene here. Mm -hmm. But I know there's a few things that I kind of wanted to unravel in the these monumental statements that he said. Yeah. Josh, what do you got? Yeah, uh, I, I do as well. But just to look at it as a whole, it's so powerful. Yeah. And for him to say this off the cuff, yeah. I mean, it's completely Holy Spirit driven. No doubt. Because, I mean, like every point that he hits, it, it's just like you could break this down as a seven point sermon and you're just like, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> just no looking kidding. at it going. It was a system. <laughs> Yeah. This is, you know, yeah. systematic truth bomb. A presentation of who the Lord is. Off the cuff, yeah, like exactly. you said, yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah, so why don't we get into some of the observations? Okay, cool. So um, back in 34, verse 34, Peter says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Uh, this is the moment that Peter... Uh, one of the next moments that it's, it clicks for him, it becomes mm-hmm. very clear on that promise made thousands of years back to Abraham where all nations would be blessed mm-hmm. through um, his obedience to God. And just like Abraham, I found this cool, with his pagan roots was found to be obedient. We see that God chooses this obedient man, Cornelius, also from pagan roots, to be the first example in how Gentiles are being grafted into God's plan, the same as the chosen people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cornelius was searching for, for real truth as a Gentile, and God says, This is the Gentile heart that I will use to display my acceptance of all people to myself. Mm. And like you said, um, God could have used anybody. But he had a willing heart, and he was that's who God chose. Yeah, yeah, he was a perfect bridge of the gap of mm-hmm. a guy who wanted to, he was outside the faith looking in, mm-hmm. going, I, I love this God, I fear this God. Yeah, but he didn't have any way over the chasm. No, and all of a sudden, God makes this way, but he was headed towards it. Yes, he, he was, was, he was walking by faith, mm-hmm. he just hadn't figured out what that faith was yet. Yeah. But he still was doing it. Yeah. And I think God looked on that very favorably. Yeah. Hey guys, we didn't realize how long this episode was going to be. We kind of thought it might be two parts, but uh, all in all, we just decided to cut in right here and uh, and come back next week with part two as this got a little long in the tooth. That it did. That it yeah. Did. So uh, we hope that you're enjoying Cornelius and his story and of course, Peter. And uh, please come back next week for part two. And always remember, snakebirds, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus and be a snakebird. or I'm going to convert to Judaism as a whole and just yeah. like go full snip the tip. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs>